You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone, very excited today to bring you Rick Carlson, who's the CEO and founder of SharpSpring, which is an all-in-one marketing automation platform. I'm going to let him explain, you know, what else it does as well, because, you know, in today's day and age, there's a couple of different marketing automation platforms out there. But Rick, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, can you give us a little background on just who you are and what your story is? Yeah, sure. So for my entire career, I've always been a sales and marketing and product guy, not necessarily in that order, but all three of those disciplines. So I'm not a developer, not a finance guy. You know, over the years, you sort of cross train and all these things. But what sort of motivates me and what I think I'm good at are sales, marketing and product. I spent a bunch of time in the internet security space for your listeners. Most of you at one time or another probably had AVG antivirus on your PCs anyway. Yeah. Yeah, So I ran the US operations and helped to bring that company public as an example. And it was actually through my experience in internet security, you know, the tech firms were obviously earlier adopters of marketing automation and those types of technologies. I was exposed to the power of marketing automation. And what I decided to do with SharpSpring was take the leap, start a company um, that was able to offer marketing automation to really the second wave of adoption. So we're focused on the SMB market. As you and your audience likely knows, technology is always adopted at the enterprise level and then sort of filters down to smaller and smaller businesses as it becomes more affordable. And so we started SharpSpring with the goal of bringing marketing automation down to really any business that needs it at a price point that was tremendously valuable to our customers. So yeah, that's a little bit about my background and why I started SharpSpring. That's awesome. I'm looking at Google right now. You guys are a publicly traded company on NASDAQ, correct? Uh, Yeah. Strange story behind that. But yeah, that's exactly right. What's the strange story? Well, (laughs) I sort of figured you were going to ask that question. My co-founder and I had launched SharpSpring in just a few months. We spent a couple of years building our MVP product. And just a couple of months after we launched, it was clear we were going to be successful. We were sort of very lucky in that product fit was there and the market responded to it. And we were at a crossroads and we're about to take on an A round when a company came along and offered to purchase us. I think we had a few hundred thousand dollars of actual collected revenue at that time. And the company offered to pay a significant amount of money for the company. We ultimately chose to sell the company just a few short months after we founded it. That company was a small public company. So we sold it. I intended to move on to another startup. But as we grew, we outgrew the company that purchased us. The board asked me to be the CEO of that company. And so we ended up changing the name and ticker symbol to SharpSpring. So it was, I guess, a reverse acquisition or something into a public company, which none of that was planned. That's awesome. And yeah. So strange story. Maybe I'm the only person on your podcast who said something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think so for sure. It's a really unique story. So, I mean, do you still follow all the rules of being a publicly traded company? Every single one of them, if you're so, listening at CC, every single one of them. Uh, <laughs> no, we, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. And finally, we're, I think, growing into a place where being public is more of a benefit than a hindrance. But yeah. for a while, that was certainly not the case. And at this point, we're sort of on the cusp is how I'd say it. But yeah, that's right. We've got all the trappings and obligations of a public company. 
Got it. And what's interesting for me, I'm looking at your background. Uh, you graduated from University of Florida and you're still in Gainesville right now. So, you know, everyone that's like, oh, if you're running a publicly traded company, maybe you have to be at one of these hubs. You know, that's where you're going to get all the talent. But I'm assuming for you, are all your people in Florida with you? Or are they kind of spread out? They are. They're all in Florida. So as you point out, I went to school here in grad school, met my wife. I left for 10 years and traveled all over the world working for companies like AVG. As I mentioned, they were a Czech company. So I would travel all over the world. And eventually when I decided to start Sharp Spring, I decided to start it in Gainesville, knowing the community, knowing the talent that was here. It is a college town. so And it's the preeminent university in Florida. So it's got all the grad programs and things. And so we were able to find very, very affordable talent that was motivated to sort of make a mark. And so it's been very good to us. There's a huge talent pool for a company like Sharp Spring here in Gainesville at the lower and mid levels. And then we've been fortunate enough to be successful to attract senior level talent from elsewhere. And so we've done that to augment it. But by and large, it's been a fantastic move for us. And we've got 230 employees right now and look to continue to grow. And Gainesville's been nothing but super helpful in that effort. Yeah, I love that. That's super smart. Instead of going to where all the competition is, like a San Francisco, for example, you find where maybe there's a good college town, a nice city, and basically you build kind of your company around there. We had someone else on the podcast, a company called Pattern 89, and they pull from their local universities too. And that's a great hack to get you know good talent. I shouldn't call it a hack. It's a great way to get talent at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the Valley or Austin or Boston. But, you know, these are not monopolies by definition. There's three of them. But, you know, there's great talent everywhere. And if you build a culture where people want to come in and work and achieve something and you treat people right, you can attract talent. And generally speaking, that talent is a whole lot more affordable. I and mean, people today are interested in work-life balance and, you know, the lifestyle of living in some of these places that I mentioned can be tough. And so for us, I can obviously only speak to our experience, but it's been pretty fantastic. So what kind of numbers can you share around the business day? Uh, growth rates, revenues, users, anything like that? Yeah. So we're a little bit more sensitive. Actually, we have our earnings call later today, by the <laughs> way. So I need to be very careful with what I say so I don't preempt it and we, we don't give guidance as of yet. So what I can tell you is we've got a couple thousand agencies. And so we've moved past much larger companies companies with a 10-year head start on us. Sharp Spring is not a first mover story. In our space, we've gone to the number two position amongst digital marketing agencies who are our main customers. So we've got about 2,000 agencies that work with us. That puts us ahead of companies like Marketo and Eloqua and Acton and Pardot. And really, we're only behind HubSpot and we're catching those guys rapidly when it comes to the digital marketing space. And that's the focus of our business. Through those agencies and collectively, the last number we reported was over 8,000 businesses. That number is obviously higher today. Use the platform to drive their sales and marketing processes. That's awesome. I think I remember getting something because one of the businesses I have is an agency. And then the team said that they got like a maze from you last year, Sharp Spring. Was, <laughs> yeah. was, that, was that you guys? 
That's us. That's us. Yeah, yeah we, do some, awesome. we do some pretty interesting stuff. And so our target market is plenty large for our business, but we're not trying to boil the ocean. I'm not trying to find 300 million consumers or 3 million SMBs. We focus on digital marketing agencies and we built a, a platform that makes it easier for them to manage all of their clients and it's rebrandable. And then it's got a bunch of agency features on top of everything you would expect in a marketing automation platform. But because we're talking about tens of thousands of agencies, it affords us the opportunity to be creative and more targeted with our sales and marketing efforts. So the maze that you received was our effort to get your attention. Hopefully we did. It sounds like we did. So we know that when we cut through the noise and we speak to a digital marketing agency and they understand what we're doing, you know, we're literally less than a tenth the cost of our competition. I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch, but mm-hmm. the point is that we know that when we talk to them, they sign up with us. And so that steers what we do from a marketing perspective, which is, frankly, to pull out all the stops to get somebody's attention. Because once we do that, things go well for us. Yeah. So I guess my question would be then, I think a lot of people listening to this, they would love to work with agencies. And it seems like you have a process that's locked down. So if people wanted to reach agencies, they wanted to partner with agencies, what are some tips you can give them? Well, What's worked uh, really well for you guys? You're speaking about other businesses that would like to target the agency market. Look, I think there's no, I'm not going to say anything earth shattering here. It's understanding your customer and their needs and what they're trying to do. And then I think the thing that I would say there is to then go all in on that, especially if you're a smaller business. So as we grew our business, we had plenty of opportunities to get distracted. We had larger companies that were willing to invest and throw money at us for custom development projects and you know this and that and we stayed true to our core which has always been about working with digital marketing agencies and that served us just so well so step one in my answer is simply you need to find the market fit and that really means understanding your customer well understand what they're trying to do and creating value for your customer that perhaps sounds obvious but you know it's a little bit like saying buy low sell high there's a science to understanding your customer and then the second is you know go all in focus continues to be underrated it's another one of those things where people can talk about it but to actually do it is a different thing altogether. And I think that's one of the things that's made us successful in our market is that we've just been laser focused on our agency partners. So I guess tactically, because I'm assuming you said you're number two in the market. How did you find these agencies to work with? Because I just don't think enough people on this podcast talk about specifically how they get agency partners. I think I get a good answer for that. And it was a lot of effort. I will tell you, it's probably the second biggest piece of IP we have at our company besides our platform itself. You can't go any customers or any businesses looking to find digital marketing agencies. You can't go buy this list from Dun & Bradstreet or Zoom Info or a company like that. The best you can do is use sick codes and get advertising and marketing agencies. And mixed into that, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of banner companies and silkscreen t-shirt companies and anything you could imagine is captured under that marketing SIC code. So what we did was we actually built a, here's very tactical for you. We built a web crawler and we let that crawler loose on the Amazon. I might screw this up at the Open Web. I know I'm messing up this name, but Open Web Project. Archive.org? Is that the one? 
it's not archive.org, but it's Wayback it's, Machine. Not that it's, one. It's not Wayback. No, this is all real live data here. So there's an open source project. They basically had the entire web without graphics. EXEs, video, et cetera, all the big stuff, the text version of the web stored on Amazon servers. So you can sit there and crawl the entire web in a matter of days or hours, depending on how many servers you throw at it. So we built a neat web crawler that had some machine learning in it and went out there and identified everybody we thought looked like a digital marketing agency. And then we spent a boatload of money with human beings going in and verifying all that and finding the relevant info. And so we made our own list, but because it's not something that we could find somewhere in a more effective way. Needless to say, we also do all sorts of advertising and marketing to places where agencies look for information and make decisions. Got it. Okay. And so correct me if I'm wrong here. So you guys are number two and really focused on agencies. You know, when I look at uh, my other podcast with my marketing school, we talk about how software is becoming a commodity. It's really easy for people to build stuff. But what's really hard to do is to stand for something and to focus on a specific niche and kind of be really good at that, right? So I guess my question would be, how are you guys different from the other marketing automation platforms? Or if anything, is it just you guys are focused on a very specific niche? Yeah, well, there was a lot there that you said. First off, marketing automation is, without arguing your premise that software itself is becoming commoditized, tools like marketing automation are tremendously complex and difficult, tracking every web page impression from every visitor on every one of our customers' websites and running that through a real-time engine to make decisions and you know change the graphics on the very next page that a person sees to scale something like that's very, very difficult. So I do think we have not a typical software platform like a CRM or something like that. However, focus, uh, it goes back to my other answer. You know, we have, I think that's exactly right. Software is just the code. What that code is, is based on your understanding of your customers' needs and the value proposition that you ultimately bring to them. That's the true IP there. And so really taking the time to understand what customers want. We're constantly making trade-offs. It is much harder than it seems when every company's got a limited resource in the dev talent that they have and hopefully thousands of ideas on where to point that talent. And it's a real process to be and, and requires discipline to be able to continually stay focused on the things that bring the most value to your customers. And so I think we've done that through our focus on agencies. Again, we're the only people that have an agency-focused platform and single sign-on management console and rebranding. And you know we've got shareable templates and things. All these things are designed to enforce the agency's brand and make them more successful with their clients. And those are the things that we've worked on that separate us from our competition. Makes sense. All right. So working towards wrapping up here, what would be one favorite business book you'd recommend to people? You know, we're on a podcast here, and I know you often ask this, but I'm going to point to a podcast instead, just to be contrarian, if you don't mind. I like to listen to manager tools as a podcast. I think it's a good one. Yeah, it's a fun podcast, a bite-sized information. It's all about being efficient. And I find podcasts like yours and manager tools to be a great way to learn a broader scope of things. So that's one. And then I wanted to point people to 
a quick article. It's an old one, but the greatest sales deck I've ever seen is a pretty fantastic. This is back from 2016. So this is, you can use your way. I think you mentioned the Wayback Machine <laughs> earlier. If you have not seen that little article by Andy Raskin, I would check that out. The greatest sales deck I've ever seen is a nice little a quick read. Those are both really good. We'll drop that in the show notes. And what would be one favorite business tool you'd recommend to people not called SharpSpring? Not called SharpSpring. I'll go with tools like Datanize. Really neat way to sort of find customers, understand what they're using, what they're not using. Neat way to understand customers and identify prospects. And Datanize is a fun one. Cool. Datanize has been on the podcast before. Make sure you guys check that one out. And final question from my side, which company or founder are you following right now? Oh, you know, my head's down with my business so much that I'm not trying to follow anybody, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm just focused on everything that we're doing and trying to make it happen. I get tidbits of information from everybody and try to synthesize those things into something that's successful for SharpSpring. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Rick, I want to thank you for doing this. What's the best way for people to find you online? Our blogs on sharpspring.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have actually steered clear of the Twitter. I hope that's not sacrilege here, but I've steered, <laughs> steered clear of the chaos that is Twitter. And so I post regularly on LinkedIn and our blog on sharpspring.com. All right, Rick. Thanks so much for doing this. Fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity. Take care. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.